You know I'm gonna get you, yeah, whatever it takes to. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Basement Talk Podcast. Ed Birdsall joined by Jake Simone, as usual, have a loaded show for you tonight, today, this morning, this afternoon, wherever and whenever you are listening. We have, of course, some March Madness discussion. The calendar has struck March, so we're going to be talking a little bit of March Madness. Get ready, though, for two weeks, we're going to be doing a full bracket rundown here on the Basement Talk podcast, so stay tuned for that. We'll be talking some UFC, obviously UFC 259, coming on Saturday. So by the time this podcast comes out, it will be Saturday. So uh, tonight is when UFC 259 uh, will be on pay-per-view. The obvious, um, the main event of that card, Israel Adesanya and Jan Blachowicz. Then we have some Basement Beats, brand new segment. Where we're going to be talking about music because we all know we love music and it's great. And it's getting us through this terrible, terrible time. And then, of course, if you've been listening to the Basement Talk Podcast fantasy show, you would have heard of the birth of a brand new segment that we're going to be doing on here as well, the Random Ash Generator. Great segment. Has been great fun for Adam and I and Jake and I. going to give a, uh, a little shot at it. So before we get into any of that, Jake, how are you? Hey, you know, living life, same stuff, different day. Happy to be here. What's going on, my man? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. It's, um, yeah, it feels like the days are just getting slower and slower, but they're going faster and faster, if that makes any sense. Can't complain. Just happy to be here. Just happy to be here and happy to be healthy. That's kind Amen. of it. And, and soon enough, we'll have the warm weather. Soon enough. It's coming. It's coming. Don't don't worry about it, people. We're, we're, we're getting there. So, as we kick off every single episode of the Basement Talk podcast, every single week, Jake, who, what, where, why, how? is your deep sleeper of the week, sir. Uh, I think you might murder me on this one because I'm, I kind of touched on it with you uh, at another point. Uh, I'm in a murderous in, in our mood conversations. Tonight. Go for it. My deep sleeper is Chris Sims and his quarterback rankings for the draft because uh, as a Jets fan picking at number two overall, when I see Zach Wilson as – the number one graded quarterback on Chris Sims's board when it seems like every single offseason, Chris Sims just goes against the grain of everybody else in the mainstream media and appears to be right on these rankings and predictions. It's definitely encouraging to hear. I'm not sure if I agree with Zach Wilson being significantly better than uh, Trevor Lawrence, which Chris Sims advertises, but it's it's exciting. And Chris Sims, I tell you what, if you keep making rankings like this, scouting quarterbacks, I feel like a team is going to call him and give him a job in their front office, and maybe he could work his way up the, the rankings. I'm being that serious with you about him because he, he clearly knows what he is looking at when he's evaluating the tape of the quarterbacks. And when you watch and listen to his analysis, you could tell he's doing his homework. It's not this gen- generic barbershop talk that you hear on ESPN from a Todd McShay or to to more of an extent, Mel Kuyper. I feel like Todd is definitely a little bit more in tune with everything going on. And Mel just seems completely off his rocker these days. You have Matt Miller, 
Uh, Matt Miller, ever since you compared Patrick Mahomes to Blake Bortles, it's like, bro, come on now. <laughs> like He lost the that's, plot. That's, that's just a different breed right there. So Chris Sims, deep sleeper of the week. Pay attention to what he has to say because they are really the definition. Like when you have Kellen Mund of Texas, uh, Texas A&M ahead of Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who have just been skyrocketing up. We're more so of Lance than Fields. Fields, if anything, has been dropping on the draft boards. When you have a guy that nobody in the mainstream media seems to be talking about ahead of those guys, and you look at his track record for quarterbacks, you need to pay attention. See, we, we had this discussion before we came on air, and I will say to you, I will say to the people what I said to you. Chris Sims is a bit of a dweeb for me. You have to be a little bit of a dweeb if you're that smart, though. You can't for be, sure. You, like Dan Campbell is not a dweeb, but he's got muscles coming out of his ears. You know, he's he looks like Fred Flint. He reminds me a lot of Fred Flintstone. But does he have? I don't want to sound uh, insensitive here, to Dan Campbell, but I question his uh, IQ and gener- general intelligence at times when I hear him talk. But he's a cool guy. You don't really see many cool, smart guys anymore. There's a debate whether Chris Sims is cool or not. I guess it depends on what your taste is. But he's right. I would. I would. I don't care what you're like, but as long as you're right and you're giving good context behind the opinions you're giving, nothing wrong with that. And yep. he has the track record to back it up. I don't care what anybody tells me. Yeah, and that's what I was getting into. Is the ranks that you sent me were pretty bang on the money. And he and, loved Patrick Mahomes, too. He, he didn't rank that class, um, but if he did, it's pretty safe to say he would, ha- he would have had Patrick Mahomes as his top-rated quarterback, which at the time, nobody would have had. Nobody in the world would have had Patrick Mahomes as number one. I don't care what anybody is telling me. No. The one thing that, for me, when I looked at that and I saw the uh, Baker Mayfield-Sam Darnold class, and he had Lamar Jackson as number one quarterback. I said, okay, you know, I, I, that that's something. And then when he had Josh Allen as number two, I even went and I said, okay, because I thought I was the only human being on planet Earth that had Josh Allen as the number two quarterback in that class. Well, who was number one for you that class? Was it Sam Lamar Jackson? Yeah, so did I. I had, Josh, I had Josh Allen as my third rated quarterback because – I got. I I learned a lot after that draft class. I'll admit it. I I whiffed pretty bad. Not as bad as a lot of other people. I definitely had him ahead of Josh Rosen. But yeah. the completion percentage, the accuracy was a huge concern. Obviously, he he needed work to be done to him, and mm-hmm. went to a place with with proper guidance. And Chris Sims, a great point he made was he was not throwing these screens behind the line of scrimmage to bolster his completion percentage and his accuracy statistics, like we saw with Baker. Darnold, all these other guys, even like you're seeing with, with the Justin Fields at Ohio State, not everything was so wide open playing at Wyoming. So definitely something I learned there for how smart people analyze quarterbacks is I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a fan that watches college football and, you know, can break, can watch the tape here and there. But, I, you know, I work a nine to five, man. How much time do I really have to do that? No, it's true. And, uh, you know, for, for me, the biggest giveaway, though, with, with Josh Allen was, I mean, Look, if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, I watched every Wyoming game like it was religion. No, I'd be I would be lying. I would be lying to your face if I said I sat there every Saturday and I just watched Wyoming football. But 
when I heard about this kid, Josh Allen, this kid with this ginormous arm and he's the size of a fucking house, I said, oh, okay, I, I need to watch this. And I just saw a kid that could throw the ball to the fucking moon. And I just said, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold on this. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see that someone that I don't necessarily love, we can agree on something where he was obviously much more qualified than I am, but he was able to, we were able to agree on that. Where yeah. Josh Allen was my number two. Josh Allen was his number two. Lamar Jackson, he got spot on the money. And I was even impressed with and, him not necessarily being the biggest fan of, of Darnold when Sam Darnold, when he was drafted, he was just everybody's just, he was above everybody else. He was miles above everybody else. Even for me, Sam Darnold was miles above Josh Allen. I don't know whether it was the fact that Darnold was with a dysfunctional franchise like the New York Jets and Josh Allen went to a good culture, at least to start, in Buffalo, and then they bring in Diggs. Obviously, Stephon Diggs changed the game for Josh Allen, clearly. Yeah. I think it's funny you mentioned the, the culture that the Josh Allen went to with the Buffalo Bills because I think the Jets are mirroring that culture with Robert Sala. I, I see a lot of similarities with Robert Sala and Sean McDermott and bringing over the Mike LaFleur Shanahan style offense, which is very quarterback friendly. And I think Joe Douglas kind of learned the mistakes he made with Sam Darnold, not getting him that go-to receiver. Uh, I know we talked about it on the free agency segment not too long ago. You think the Jets are going to land Allen Robinson. I I hope you're right, but I think either way, I think receiver is going to be addressed. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of these quarterbacks as the weeks go on leading up until the draft. But what you said about Josh Allen is sort of the way I looked at Zach Wilson. Obviously, Zach Wilson is not the only concern, and Chris Sims said the same thing. And I told you this. You could be my witness here. What was my only concern with Zach Wilson after studying his body of work at BYU? Size. Size. And that's. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit, but if that's your only concern with a quarterback, I think we're in pretty good standing there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that I have not watched – Zach Wilson enough and the tape that I've watched has not been a wow sort of thing. I understand the people that love him. I understand it and I see why, but I think it's more, I need to study up on him more. Cause the one thing that all the Zach Wilson haters go at, and I don't ever like going at a guy for just one game, but it's the coastal Carolina game. That is the one game that everybody who doesn't like Zach Wilson goes at him for and says, oh, well, he struggled in Coastal Carolina. He struggled in Coastal Carolina. That's why he'll never be good in the NFL. No, 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 no. Watch the first play of that game and get back to me after you study it. (laughs) I mean, he has the raw tools to be very, very, very good. And Uh, I mean, I believe I said to you that – I think in terms of long-term NFL upside, give me Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, my guy. I I really – I don't love Justin Fields too much. Um, I think he needs a lot of work. Mm -hmm. When I watch Zach Wilson, I watch a very quick release that translates to the NFL, Mm -hmm. doesn't just lock in on his first read, goes through his progressions. Justin Fields, if that first read isn't there, I think that's when he runs around and the ball security Mm -hmm. issues come into play and he makes ill-advised decisions. Yep. I just think Zach Wilson's ready to go. 
right away. And um, I think it's not – I'm a big believer. I, I, don't, I think it's a little bit of a lame argument that Jet fans have. Oh, he fits the LaFleur, Shanahan type of system because a good coaching staff modifies everything if they have a quarterback ranked high enough. You don't draft guys for a system. You adapt the system to the strengths of your players. But, wow, I, 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 you have to do a little bit deeper of a dive into tape on Zach Wilson because yeah. he does a lot of good things. And uh, throwing mechanics are pretty spot spotless, and that's it, it, usually something that a lot of guys have to clean up when they get into the league is footwork and throwing mechanics and decision-making, mm-hmm. all there. And to me, that translates. And I don't care what anybody tells me about competition. A window is a window. Yeah. Okay. If, if you're throwing the ball into these tight windows with that quick release, zip tight spiral, it's a, you know, you get what I'm saying here? It's the same thing yeah. as. So it's, the same, it's, it's the classic exactly. Josh Allen argument. It's the That's, classic Josh Allen argument. And I, and I did learn from that. And to be honest with you, I don't even know. I'm not a draft expert, but I really like Mac Jones too. Like Chris Sims did. I don't understand why everybody poo-poos on Mac Jones. I get it. He doesn't really move the pocket. But his footwork in the pocket and his throwing under pressure and him staying tall in the pocket and not just folding like a lawn chair is pretty damn impressive, man. See, I, I don't want to get too far into it because I know we, we have a ton to discuss. No, 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 draft, no. But. We're we're here. We're here. We're, we're in the rabbit hole. Um, I have studied Mac Jones enough, and I can tell you the things that people love and the things that people hate. Everything that you said about Zach Wilson in terms of his footwork, great. His arm strength, nobody questions that. Going through his progressions, does it. And his and mobility, yeah. And the mobility is very underrated. He's silky. Of, of his, yes. He does not get enough credit for his ability outside the pocket and when he has to get out of jail. That, that I will give him credit for. But the one thing that I think people have against Mac Jones is just the history of Alabama quarterbacks and how they translate into the NFL. And for me, that's lame. I'm sorry. I mean, Mac Jones is not A.J. McCarron. He's not Greg McElroy. I, I, I'm sorry. But that, that for me, is, is really, really lame. And I'll be the first one to say I was not crazy about Mac Jones coming into this, but the more and more I've watched him, the more and more – I really like him, and it's taking me a lot to not put him over Justin Fields in terms of quarterbacks that I love for for this draft. He, it's take it's taking a lot. As as somebody that avidly watches the Crimson Tide, yep, big big Alabama. I, I really think Mac Jones, and I might get killed for this, but I think he throws as pretty as pretty as a deep of a deep ball as anybody in this draft class. Like that thing is a beautiful. It, I, I don't want to sound too much like Mel Kuyper here, but he, he kind of does look like Tom Brady a little bit. Like, I don't I don't want to put that pro comparison to him, but I think that if you're the New England Patriots picking at 15 and Mac Jones is there, I, I really think you found your guy there. Or if you're the Saints, you want to trade up from, what is it, 28? I think that's a perfect yeah. – repl- you don't really have to change the offense around too much of, with Drew Brees retiring. I think mm-hmm. you can kind of run it back with Mac if you want to bring, let's say, Teddy Bridgewater in, who you had success with, to kind of – hold down the fort a little bit before Mac Jones is ready. I, I'm cool with that, but I think he's going to land in a great situation mm-hmm. much like, and that's, we see it all the time with these quarterbacks. They go into these wonderful situations. We saw Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I think if Lamar Jackson was to go anywhere else, if like he played for the jets or something like that, is he the MVP of the league? No. So I, I'm high on Mac Jones, a, a lot higher than most, but 
I would say bef- that. before we move on, I would say that the the pro comparison, at least that I have for Mac Jones, is Philip Rivers with more mobility and a way that 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 release of Philip Rivers. I'm sorry, I don't know how we ever got got by with that. Yeah, it's more mobility and a better release. But yeah. in terms of the deep ball accuracy, in terms of going through all of his reads, in terms of his accuracy just in general. Staying in there, yeah. Stay, staying in there, and he's he's a tough kid. He's a tough kid because people can say what they want about, you know, the Alabama offensive line, and, you know, it's really your, your, it's boys against men when you're going against the Alabama offensive line. But let's face it, Mac Jones, he took some licks, and every time he got up. He got up. He's a tough kid. Yeah, the Alabama offensive line this year was obviously good, but it, it hasn't been like it's been in years past. Like for the national no. championship, he lost Landon Dickerson, his starting starting center. Yep. Alex Alex Leatherwood came into the year with a lot of hype. He didn't really mold into that. Like before the season started, he was a top five pick, and now I don't even think he's a first round pick. No. And then you had the uh, the guard. Um, Deontay Brown, who's just really more like a mauler in pass protection. He has some questions. So um, I think that's a little bit of a lame argument. And he played without Jalen Waddell for yeah. pretty much the entire season. <laughs> who and balled I think, out. And, and balled, balled out. Like, yeah, I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to discuss oh, these quarterbacks. Oh, no, it's not. So oh, we, no, we it's have, not. We have to save the bullets a little bit. But let, yeah, let's hear your deep sleeper. There will be a show when yeah. we will just be able to just talk all day. About, about these prospects because yeah. you want to do it and I want to do it. So there yeah, will be a absolutely. time. Yeah. There will be a time. Um, my deep sleeper of the week, Peloton. Now, of course, everyone followed the whole J.J. Watt saga that was over the course of the last week, which, of course, ended up with J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. But there was, of course, a leak that had happened before he eventually signed with the Cardinals, which was his, which was JJ Watt and underneath a profile of some sort, it was Super Bowl 46, Super Bowl 56, excuse me, Cleveland, Buffalo, Green Bay, and everyone and their mother just said, Oh, okay. He's going to one of these three teams. Turns out it was his Peloton profile. So that got blown up. So, Peloton got a nice uh, nice revenue boost from J.J. Watt promoting that he is an avid user of Peloton. I am not myself. I think it is an absolute sham, but that's besides the point. And he ends up going to the Arizona Cardinals anyway. I J.J. Watt is so annoying, bro. Like I can't. He's a class act. Stand him. He, he obviously uh, does great work in the in, in the yeah. communities. There's nothing. Not that. But dude, he loves attention, man. Like. Mm-hmm. It kind of he's a more normal Trevor Bauer to me. Like these guys, <laughs> just love the attention. And you know, like, I never bro, thought of that, but he's it's right. And I hate to say it to everybody, but he's a little bit more of a name at this point in his career. I feel like mm-hmm. he, he's this isn't JJ Watt of 2011 winning no. Defensive Player of the Year. This is no. Is he really worth? He's more of a name. I don't want to say he's a distraction by any stretch of the imagination. And I think it was a little ridiculous that now Houston just all of a sudden just wants to kick him while he's out going out the door. Like, where was this while he was there all season? You, you get what right. I'm saying? So, I don't know. I, I But in terms of Peloton goes, bro, like, 
you really have to do obviously it's no accident you were just trolling everybody and wanted the attention and everybody talking about you and you eventually just picked the place that you and your wife like the most and by the way there's nothing wrong with that at all arizona's no. beautiful weather uh cliff kingsbury doesn't really push players too hard in practice i'm sure jj watt at 32 with an injury history doesn't really feel like going balls to the wall in practice like nope uh, let's say Sean McDermott, there's no resting in practice for Sean McDermott. He's nope. he preaches culture and effort. And let's face it. If you were 32, we're comfortably married and your wife was an athlete who needs to train herself. Where are you living? Buffalo where there's where it's two freezing. Feet, yeah. It's freezing cold, two feet of snow. You need to buy a second house because you're not living there all year or Arizona. There you go. There, yep. There's your house. You'll retire there probably. And you won't have to move. You'll live happily ever after. And he made it to be just such a big deal. Like, yeah, sick, bro. Like he, he made it such a big deal. I mean, I'll give him an A plus for marketing. Yeah, it's, I, I don't like it when guys do that. No, n- neither do I. And like you said, nothing against J.J. Watt, the humanitarian, because what he's done in terms of uh, crises and everything like that, fair play. Give him the respect that he deserves there. But the whole last week and a half was has, just, has just been like, like, like people, people cared. That's like that. That's the scariest part about this yeah. is does does anybody see JJ Watt being a I wouldn't even say 15 sack guy. That's much. Does anybody see him being a 10 sack guy? I mean, he probably could if he's playing next to Chandler Jones, and if they read, I guess Hassan Reddick is just far out the door there. I guess so. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe I think if you get eight sacks out of JJ Watt, if you're the Cardinals, I think you got your bang for your buck there. If he even, by the way, he's not the most durable guy in the world. Like, if you get eight to twelve games out of him, I think that's still pretty successful, all things considered. I agree. I agree so. with you. Definitely something to monitor. Yeah, and uh, how much are the Houston Texans kicking themselves that now they have oh. DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt both in Arizona? I, I think if you're the Texans, I, I think I would do this. I think I would say Kyler and a first and a second for Deshaun Watson. I, Fuck it. I'd do that. Not the biggest fan of Kyler in the world either. I think he's talented, but I have questions about him lasting, and I don't know if he's making those money throws that is needed in crunch time, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say it's third and 15, third and 10 game on the line, have to get a first down. Is Ky- I haven't seen Kyler make those plays yet, and that's what's separating him from the next tier of quarterbacks between being talented and being the guy. Kyler made one throw, which was a Hail Mary prayer. Uh, yeah. To Hopkins. To nuke. Yeah. That's it. That's the only throw. Is but Hopkins the best that- receiver in the NFL? In terms of complete no, no, no. package? We're taking a receiver on our team right now to play this season. Who are you taking? <sighs> uh, to me, I don't I don't even have to think about this one. Are we are we assuming sixteen games? You're assuming you're I'm getting Ed, sixteen games out of a guy. Sure. Devontae Adams. Yeah, it's Devontae. It's not even close. Devontae Adams. Yeah, no. Not it's close. A, it's, it's really not. No. Not that guy not is close. just I, I, I don't even have words to describe that guy. But, yeah, Nuke is really good, too. Yeah, Nuke, Nuke for me is the number two receiver in the league. 
But the thing is, uh, it's kind of like yeah. Devontae Adams is way, way above everybody the, else. The guy I'm so high on, and it's a shame how the season kind of edit, ended for him because I think it really wasn't his fault, is DK Metcalf. That guy is going to be a absolute problem for the league. If that offense ever gets right from a play-calling perspective, God, if, we, if, if you would have just let Russ cook the whole year, Metcalf probably – would have been leading the league in receiving. I, it's a shame. Probably. Guy really fucked me in the playoffs in fantasy, too. Join the club. I won't go there. Join the club. Keeper league, and I'm now having to sweat over my 12th-round keeper, DK Metcalf, catching passes from Geno Smith next year, not Russell Wilson. No, that, that, I, I, that's not even a story. I'm glad that's not even on the docket today. He's not getting traded. No, no. I don't, I don't think he is. Because... He's got a full. He's got a full no move clause. He's no, going to determine where it's he wants a very, to go. It's a very fixable situation there. I think if you just say, "Okay, Russ, who do you want to be the offensive coordinator?" I heard he was on the in on that decision for the offensive coordinator. So, right. Okay, okay, Russ, you you want a couple of offensive linemen? Here you go. Even though we can't draft, we'll draft them with our second round pick. Yeah. Right. Like throw him a bone, make him happy, play nice, give him a little extension at the end of this. His agent's not stupid. Okay, I'm sure he wants years on a contract or something like that. For sure. So, little it, bit of pay this raise. Is, this, this, yeah, exactly. Money cures all most of the time. So this oh, is not this, this is not Deshaun Watson. Okay, this is very fixable. The the situation in Houston is not getting fixed. It it will result in a trade. Yep, I agree with you. Just the question is uh, where. But when we get to that, when the Deshaun Watson yeah. trade inevitably happens, we will cover it. Maybe next week we can we can discuss where we think he can go. Maybe if it's Surely. slow news week. Surely. If there's a slow, slow news week, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. All right. Long-winded deep sleeper. Let's hit random ass generator, shall we? So for those of you that don't know, here's how random ass generator works. We've gotten a wide range of athletes from all sports, and I've picked one that we could talk about. And the way this is going to work is I mention his name, Jake and I just go back and forth, give random facts about this athlete, and the conversation ends, the segment is done. So okay. this could be five minutes, this could be 25 minutes. It just depends on how much we know about this random-ass it, athlete. Yeah, if it's a soccer or hockey player or somebody like that, it's going to be about zero minutes. <laughs> it actually is not. It is not. It is actually a baseball player. Okay. Let's hear him. It is a baseball player that we both know quite well. It is former New York Yankee, former Seattle Mariner, oh. former Arizona Diamondback. I know this guy. Go ahead. And former Montreal Expo. And former San Francisco Giant. And former San Francisco Giant. Yeah, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. Fun fact. First fun fact we have. Go for it. Hit me. This one, I don't know if it really classifies as a fact, but for my communion, when I was in second grade, I remember this very vividly. I received from my mom's friend at work, who I don't think I've seen since the communion. I received an autographed baseball by Randy Johnson, and I did not know who it was at the time. We had to call, and they said Randy Johnson. This is when he was pitching for the Yankees. So, holy shit, uh, I'll never forget it. 
that nope that is a that is a fact that we will absolutely accept yeah see this it's just all about pulling out any facts that we have about Randy Johnson it could be it could be related to his career it could be personal to us whatever it may be um Randy Johnson fact he killed the bird yeah he killed the bird with his fastball another fun fact about Randy Johnson you know who his personal catcher was for the Yankees it's hysterical watching this, by the way. You know him well. It wasn't John Flaherty, was it? It was John Flaherty. It was that was John that, that was that was that was his personal catcher. I think John Flaherty was like five seven, going out to the mound <laughs> yes. and standing oh next to the big god. unit. Oh my god! Yeah, he he loved Flaherty. Well, it's kind of hard not to love John Flaherty. Yeah. Uh, great, great! I I, I wish guy. he was more in the running for the uh, Yankee manager job, but I hope Aaron Boone, and everything goes right. We should start that off, but Aaron Boone, hopefully you get well soon, our manager. Even though yeah. he could give me a little bit of Ajita at times, but oh yeah, our manager. all of us. Yeah, all of Go us. Ahead. Um, another Randy Johnson fact that I have. Um, he looked terrible in pinstripes. Terrible. I'm not even talking about the way he performed. I'm just talking about his overall look yeah. of Randy Johnson in pinstripes. It just did not work. Yeah. The I, aesthetic value just did not – it didn't I really, line up. I was a big fan of him in pinstripes, but I guess that's another point. No, um, I, I, I know, loved him. I loved him when he was a Yankee, but it just he, he just didn't play the part. Like, he wasn't a typical an, Yankee. Yeah. Another fun fact, you know how Randy Johnson's career, I believe, ended? I don't know if he pitched again after this. He might have, but it was more like the beginning of the end – it was taking a swing. He hurt his throwing shoulder. Really? It was him hitting. Yeah. I remember it. He took a swing, and I don't know if he pitched again after that, but that was like the beginning of the end for Randy Johnson. He was swinging a bat in an at-bat and had to come out of the game because his shoulder was all sorts of fucked up. Jesus Christ. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. No, serious story. Holy shit. Um... Let's see. Any other? F- oh, okay. Um, controversial, possibly, but back in the day, we're talking like Arizona Diamondbacks, Randy Johnson. The flow, one of the best hairstyles in baseball. Another fun fact about Randy Johnson. I don't know if you've seen this movie. This is a classic baseball movie for Hardos. Have you ever seen the movie Little Big League? Of course I have. Are you kidding? Remember, remember the scene when, when he it, against the Mariners when they went to Randy Johnson in, in the uh, bottom of the ninth against Lou of, Collins? Of course. And then Lou Collins, Griffey robbed Lou Collins' home run. That was off of Randy Johnson. Oh, my Coming out of the movie, bullpen. I haven't watched Little Big League in years. A classic. Classic, classic. baseball Classic. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, let's see. Any more Randy Johnson facts? He wore number 51. Not for the Yankees. Not for the Yankees, but I'm talking about just in general, 51. Yeah. No, for the, was... for the Yankees, he was what? 41. 41. Yes. That's fun what fact, I thought, but I wasn't sure. Another fun fact about Randy Johnson. You know what team he was almost a member of? And when he got traded from Arizona to the Yankees? Was it, was it the Pets? No. Wasn't the Mets? Wasn't the Red Sox? Was it, it was the Boston Red Sox. He was set to go to Boston, but Randy Johnson wanted to go to the Yankees. Uh, well, it, was it because of his whole connection with Schilling? 
I think that might have had something to do with it, but I think Randy wanted to go to the Yankees more, and I think the Yankees really wanted to avoid him going to Boston. So yeah, they, they oh. made it happen. That makes sense. Considering, uh, you know, George was still alive when that went down. George, no, Ca- Ca- Cashman would have been like, nope, we would have been over the luxury tax. Yep. No can do. Yep. We, George- we, can't, we can't have that. George would have just said, fuck you and your luxury tax. Give me Randy Johnson. I'll, I'll pay it yeah. off myself. And if now- he's not performing, and if he's not performing, you're all fired. <laughs> well, well, now it would be Brian Cashman have to check with the analytics team to make sure it all it all lines up. George would have fired all the computer nerds and just told them <laughs> to get lost. I am the analytics. Go back, go back to Google. Yeah, I am the analytics. <laughs> yeah, that would be that's brilliant. Boone, Boone Boone would have been packing at the end of last season. Let me tell you, I oh, think Boone. 100%. I think Boone would have been walking after Boone would have been walking after the Red Sox beat the Yankees in a best of five series. Forget about last season. One hundred percent. That shit would not have flown. But you know no. what it is now is Cashman Steinbrenner. They want they don't want to be involved with that. They're more they of a, have their yeah. guy that controls the baseball stuff. And they stay out of it. They operate more like a corporation nowadays than mm-hmm. a baseball team. George Steinbrenner yes. was like, we're here to win. Like, fuck a corporation. Like, I'm a winner. Yep. I, I could not agree more. Yeah. Could not agree more. Um, I have no more facts. Are you, Do you have any more facts you want to bring up? I think we're good on Randy Johnson. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was, that was a fun one. That was a quick one. Now we get into March Madness. Now, the March Madness schedule. Here's how we're going to do it. This week, we're talking about sleeper teams. Next week, what we're going to talk about is teams to avoid in your bracket. So we're going to be picking teams that we don't expect to make a deep run in the tournament. And then the following week, the following Wednesday... We will have a Basement Talk podcast that comes out on Thursday. We usually record the Basement Talk podcast Wednesday nights. But for that week, we will make sure the Basement Talk podcast is out and live on Thursday, Thursday morning. So that way, Thursday, when you're filling out your brackets, getting ready to sit on your couch all day and watch college basketball on Friday, you are ready to go. Jake and I will have our brackets filled out. We'll be going through game by game. That podcast, that Wednesday podcast before the tournament starts is going to be strictly college basketball. That is it. But for now, we're going to give everyone a little sneak peek at the brain juices flowing a little bit. And we're going to talk some sleepers from March Madness. And we're just going to rattle off two or three-ish teams that we think are deep sleepers to potentially win the tournament. And I was hoping... To avoid, you know, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State. I kind of want to just focus on teams that are going to be, that are on the outside of the first, not necessarily one or two seeds, but lower than than that. Because everyone knows, yes, Gonzaga is the front runner to win the entire thing, but they're Gonzaga and they'll find a way to blow it somewhere down the line. Yeah, and it kind of ties into next week's segment, to be honest with you. I think that was more my thinking of you really don't want to see these teams, but if they get hot, some of these teams have a track record for winning the tournament when they get going. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm excited. So Absolutely. So, Jake, if you want to give your first sleeper for the tournament, my friend, the floor is yours. Who is your 
first team that you think could make a run to win it all in March? I like NBA-ready players in March. I think that goes a long way in terms of winning the tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, This team has caused me a little bit of pain in the bank account throughout the years. And this particular individual, I have a little bit of a bone to pick because I think he can go a little soft at times. But um, I like the upperclassmen, and I like the fact that he's a little more seasoned in college basketball now this time around. And that's the Iowa Hawkeyes Mm. with Luke Garza. You know, what is he – How like – where would you rank him amongst players playing in this tournament? Oh, I would say he's the best. Yeah. So I would say he's the best player in this tournament. We, we can't take them lightly, and I think their future odds, I looked it up the last time I looked, was plus 1,400. I think it may it have on went, my account. even went down. It may yeah. have went down like plus 1,300, but it, it's somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I think that's a really solid bet Yeah. Uh, if anyone was looking. So, Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, I mean, I – I, I will be the first to admit that I have watched my fair share of college no, yeah, basketball they've... this year. And every time I've watched Iowa, they disappoint. It, it's, it's they just, really do. It, it, it's just when I watch. But then when I don't watch. They win by 20. They're great. Yeah, they win by 20. Exactly. And, you know, whether it's Luke Garza and then you have other experienced players that Iowa have, Jordan Bohannon, Connor McCaffrey, this Iowa team, it just feels like there's just something with this team that screams either they're going to the Final Four or they're going to be out in the round of 16. Exactly. And a team like that during the regular season, they can kind of turn off the gas some nights. They might not show max effort, which leads to a letdown because they're waiting for the tournament. You know, the, Luke Garza, what does he really need to prove during the regular season of college basketball. Not much. He's going to be a lottery pick next year in the NBA. So what's there to prove? Why risk maybe possibly getting injured when the tournament's coming? He loves his school, Iowa. He's going to play. He's going to leave it all out on the court in March. So I think that's a really good long shot bet um, that actually has a chance to win. It's not like they're plus 10,000 odds and you kind of know that they don't have much of a shot there. So, um, Iowa, that's my favorite dark horse to win. I have one that's actually deeper than than Iowa. Last I checked, they were plus 1,600 to win the entire thing. And if you slash their odds by a quarter, that would be their odds to get to the Final Four. And I think this school is actually a great bet to get there. I'm going with the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah. And – it's veteran leadership. That's like the common theme that we have with Iowa. We're talking about it now with Wisconsin. Demetric Trice, Mika, Micah Potter, Nate Rovers, Aleem Ford, Brad Davison, all of these veteran players that Wisconsin has, not to mention they're really damn good. 10-2 and two record. They just absolutely obliterated Louisville, 85-48. to 48. They are a bit of a hot and cold sort of team. They have nights where they're in a bit of fights, and then the next they come out and they're top draw. So I think it just depends, you know, what team, like you said, Jake, before, what team can catch fire. It's going to be a team that has a core veteran leadership group. And with a team like Wisconsin, they absolutely have that. And I really like them. And and let's just face it too. The Big Ten has 
so many schools that can go and potentially make noise in this tournament. Just off the top of my head, you have Wisconsin, you have Michigan, you have Ohio State, you have Michigan State, you have Illinois, top five team in the country. I, I believe at least Ohio State, I don't know where they are off the top of my head, but Michigan, I know, top five team in the country. So right there, Illinois, Michigan, two top five teams in the country, maybe three with Ohio State. Wisconsin's not that far off. And Wisconsin, they are a good, good basketball team. And I think the best player they that they have is Micah Potter. So if he catches fire, oof, they, they could be a sneaky, sneaky bet to potentially make noise in March. I think they could potentially be uh, at the very least candidates to get to the final four. And, you know, when you get there, it just takes one or two bounces to go your way. So yeah. uh, for me, I'm going to take with one of mine. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Wisconsin. My next team is a, a definitely a little bit more of a long shot. You might have to check the odds on them. Mm-hmm. I really like Houston. Ooh. Okay. I like Houston. Number one, I really like Calvin Sampson. Their head coach, I think he's phenomenal. Okay. And I think what Houston does is kind of like what we saw Virginia do a couple of years ago when they won it all. They play really good defense and they're one of the best rebounding teams in the country. I think that translates really well in March Madness because when you get down to those crunch time moments, you have to defend the perimeter and the other teams. They don't really have that elite scoring option. Like they don't have, they don't really have any NBA, serious NBA talent on Houston. So what do you think? So they are they are plus five thousand to win the entire I, thing. They are plus I, five thousand. I I saw them play a few times this year, and I came away saying they're they're well schooled, and this is a team like they kind of reminds you of a little bit of Virginia, and they remind me of Texas Tech a little bit too. Remember when they went to the championship for sure against uh, I forgot who the, I'm drawing a blank right here. Who the, who who was the championship game? It was Texas Tech. It was Texas Tech and uh, keep going. I will uh, I will have yeah. that for you in a second. But it's that same rough rider mentality of we have more dog than you do. Let's go and just can win full on dog fights. And as we know in the tournament, these games are a fight. And the strong survive. And I think Houston definitely has that. And coaching really does matter in the month of March. And Houston has it. Virginia. Virginia. Okay. So similar team. Like, there Virginia. you go. Virginia. Yeah. It was, uh, it was 2019. The last so, one. Houston. The last one we've had. Don't sleep. We, we, we wanted long shots. Uh, I gave you a realistic one. And now we, we're trying to make that, make that coin. I, I, I've seen worse bets. All right, here we go. This is definitely a outside-the-box pick. They're going to absolutely be there. Um, and I hit just have really two words to say with this team and, and where I think that they are potentially going to have an opportunity to go far in this tournament. And it lies really in the hands of one guy. They are plus 2,800 to win the national championship. And again, two words, Cade Cunningham, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and they have caught fire. And at the beginning of the season, they're a young team. It's the complete antithesis of what we were saying with Iowa and Wisconsin, where, you know, you're looking at a veteran leadership group 
This is a young, young team that Oklahoma State have. But Kate Cunningham, if Luke Garza is the best player in this tournament, Kate Cunningham might be number two. And I would say a Kate Cunningham is probably a lock to be the number one pick in this upcoming NBA draft. The kid is just electric. And when you watch him play, you could just see he oozes greatness. And I don't know if it's more so that I'm a big believer that Oklahoma State as a team can go far, but we've seen it before. We have seen guys that just come into this tournament and they single-handedly drag teams through by themselves, namely Murray State from two years ago and a kid by the name of John Morant. Same exact story here, where I think Kate Cunningham, obviously Oklahoma State, much bigger name than Murray State, but Oklahoma State can get by, not maybe if you want to say maybe they're a stretch get to the Final Four, fine, but at least win some games in this tournament thanks to Cade Cunningham. And if he catches fire and he has help, this Oklahoma State yep. Cowboys team could be dangerous, dangerously good. Well, you stole my pick. That was my next team. Um, <laughs> that was my third team, so. I wanted to maybe save that one. I kind of had a no, feeling go, you were I mean, going to have wanna, If you want to uh, build on Bro, it, go for I it. Saw, I saw him play. I was actually, it's funny. I was at the Outback Steakhouse on uh, Saturday when they played Oklahoma. Oh, it was a great game, too. Dude, he, he put on an absolute clinic out there. I said, this guy has to be the number one. I, I, he, he looked like an NBA player out there. Like, yeah. He could go into the NBA today and average at least 20, 25 points a game in his sleep. I think if he was in this draft class, I think, or I'm, I'm talking about the most recent one we had with Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, all those, all those guys. I think he's the number one pick there too. He looks way better than any of those guys to me. You, you could call me crazy all you want to, but I, no, I, um, I, no, I'm not calling you crazy there. I agree when, with you. When you have a number one pick, you have a shot. <laughs> Bottom line, if you have the number one pick and he's getting help, you're in the ball game. I, and that's all that matters in March, as long as you're in the game. Yep, I agree with you. Um, so do you have one more, or do you want me to give my last one? I, I have a team that it kind of it. It coincides with sure. what – if this team gets into the tournament, they're kind of iffy right now. Um, the last time I checked, look the fuck out. The Yukon Huskies. Mm. Book night. The, that's a baller right there. <laughs> All yes. I'm saying when he plays, that team is totally different. And what I think, what, what are they? They could be. I think the last time I read, they could be playing in the playing game for. Um, I think they could be a possible seven seed. I think I read. Yeah, I think yep. that was the word, dude. That team, if he plays, is a problem. And I think they're. I think they're going to get in. If if I had to guess, I don't know how you feel about the whole situation. Oh, they're gonna, they're probably gonna get him, dude. And we've seen UConn when they seem to have no shot. We already we saw it with Shabazz Napier. Nobody had them winning in their brackets that year. Nope. And book book night kind of gives me those vibes, man. I don't know how good of an NBA player he's going to be. I think he might be a little bit more of a college guy than an NBA player. But, uh, dude. We've seen the movie before with UConn. You cannot count them out in the month of March. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of NBA player you're going to be. I mean, no one really saw Trey Burke as a superstar, but we all remember the tournament run that he had. 
Yeah, Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette as well. Yeah, abs- absolutely. UConn, UConn is a great one. But then it there's is. Steph Curry. <laughs> but yes, that is true. That is also true. Um, I have one more for you, and this is one that people people I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the team, and people are gonna say, how could you say they're a sleeper? Because they are one of the elite college basketball programs of all time. So how can you say they are a sleeper? And that's Kansas. So people are going to say, how are they a sleeper? Well, they've been downright terrible coming into February. They have been absolutely awful. But where it all turned around for good old Kansas was when they got absolutely blown out by West Virginia. Because then after, at home, on home court, beat a ranked Oklahoma State team. Then on home court, beat Iowa State. Okay, Iowa State's terrible. Then went to rival Kansas State, won a very tight ball game that was very, very defensive. Then this is the run Everybody has realized, oh, shit, this is Kansas. We need to give Bill Self some respect, head coach of Kansas. On home court, beat Texas Tech, a team that everybody was hot and heavy for to be a big-time sleeper in the tournament. Beat them on home court. Then lost a close game in Austin, 75-72 in overtime to Texas. Then the Big one that everyone was reminded, okay, here we are. Kansas on home court blowing out number two Baylor. That was the statement game that Kansas absolutely needed. Because before this, there were people that were saying Kansas may not get into the tournament. What Kansas needs to do going forward is they need to have a very, very strong showing in the Big 12 Conference Championship. They need to show that they can hang with West Virginia, who they lost to, that they can beat Oklahoma State, that they can beat Texas, they can beat Oklahoma, Texas Tech. The Big 12, we talked about the Big 10 before, the Big 12 is loaded with really, really, really good teams and I don't think anyone's going to say that Texas Tech is going to miss out in the tournament. I don't think people are going to say that Oklahoma will miss out. Uh, Texas may be on the bubble, but I don't think anyone's going to say they miss out. Same with Oklahoma State because Kate Cunningham, they're going to put them in regardless. Kansas, they've just been so hot and cold where they need a great showing in the Big 12 tournament for them to really solidify their place to get in. But if they get in, oof, they could be a dangerous, dangerous team. They had a lot of hype coming into the season. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. But COVID COVID ruined them. Like it's ruined, it's ruined Duke. It's ruined UNC. And to an extent until recently, it ruined Michigan State. Kentucky. Kentucky as well. Yeah, great one. Where are the Knicks going to find all of their players in this upcoming draft? They might just go to Dayton. They might just go to Dayton. They might just go to Dayton. I mean, they're not going to Iowa State where they should should have gone. 
No, not not at all. So, <laughs> I, definitely a storyline to monitor after the college basketball season. Oh, for sure. So the next segment that we have for you after some March Madness discussion, we're talking about the UFC. And the way we're going to do this, and we haven't talked about the UFC much at all in this podcast. I know Jake has been wanting to do it. So here he is, his time to shine. Um, Jake put together a list of every weight class we're going to go through, and Jake is going to give a dream fight for each. What I did was I put together my overall dream fight, period. And I'll give it, and then we'll get to Jake, and he can, he could go, and then we could talk about his. But mine, I, I mean, it's a shame that we didn't have it. It was supposed to happen at UFC 209, and it looks like it's just not going to happen. My God, would everybody would have loved to have seen Habib versus Tony Ferguson. Uh, that that's mine. Nah, yeah, that after seeing Tony Ferguson fight Charles Oliveira, well, I'm good on that one. <laughs> well, I, I'm I, definitely good on that one. The, people no. wanted to see it at the time, whereas now it's it's never going to happen because Ferguson Ferguson now is done. He's done. He's I done a, now. It's never going to happen. I have a fight for Tony Ferguson though that I think a lot of people would be into. The other fight that I had mentioned to Jake beforehand that I will mention to the listeners is if we were just going back to just in their prime, heyday UFC, Randy Couture and Brock Lesnar. That would be an absolute brawl. And I think Randy would take it personally. Nah, I, no, I don't think so. I think, I think Randy I would take it. Even though Brock is a he's he's a bad man. Yep. Brock has teased a return to, to MMA. So I, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think he should. I think he should because he was doing his whole thing with with WWE. And from what I understand now that's done. I, I think he should be looking to go back to the octagon. I I really think so. Because he he would be another draw for for UFC. I really, really think so. That you know the way that Conor McGregor draws the casual. I think Brock Lesnar would do that, not to the same extent as as Conor. I think pretty close. But pretty close, yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. So, uh, Jake, you want to go through your your, uh, first, your fights? Yeah, but first I, I kind of yeah, want to touch on uh, UFC 259 this weekend. Go ahead. Uh, with, with Adesanya uh, Blahovich. The big thing for me that is just blowing my mind is we have the style bender saying I'm going to be tipping the scales at 193 on weigh-in. Like that is just, I don't know about that. And I don't know if you've seen Polish power fight before. I think I have, you, you saw the card with uh, Adesanya uh, Costa and I think it was September. uh, I'm not mistaken, but it was in September. Yep. You had Dom Reyes who just fought John Jones really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too long ago, and I think February, so they fought, uh, it was kind of a long layoff. But everybody was singing the praises of Dom Reyes. But I was telling people, you know, Polish power hits hard. Yeah, okay, and- completely different fight than than John Jones. As messed yeah. up as it sounds, because John Jones, I personally think is the goat. I think he's going to eventually go down as the goat. Um, no disagreements. So, um, 
that was a harder fight, I thought, for Reyes stylistically. So to have Adesanya weighing in at 190 for a light heavyweight fight, uh, he better be pretty quick. I, I get where Izzy's coming from because he doesn't want to lose his quickness because that's what his bread and butter is. Yeah. And I can't see Izzy being big enough to kind of take down Blahovich. I think it's going to be a big stand-up battle. I would not take Adesanya minus two fifty minus two fifty five this weekend. I think if you're a betting man, I would take the underdog in there in that yep. fight by knockout. I would as well. That that's where I would go. So um with that, I'll lead into uh some potential matches. You you tell me your level of interest in all of these. Let's do it. And and even if you want with uh with these, we could pick some winners for them too. Okay. Yeah, make you, it even you, more interesting. Yeah, so I'll give you level all, of interest and winner. So these are all for the year of twenty twenty one. These are all the fights I want to see. Okay. So the number one fight I want to see, obviously, is a Conor McGregor super fan. I want to see McGregor Khabib too in October. And let me explain. I think it's more realistic than a lot of people think right now. You have McGregor Poirier three. That's very close to being booked um, from everything we hear. Yep. The month of May is wide open for the UFC. I know for a fact Conor wants to return in May. The calf is healed up now. Conor's back in the gym. Claims to have this great camp in store. He knows what he did wrong. It, it's pretty obvious. You need to learn how to check, check a light kick, bro. I mean, it just blows my mind how that was missing from his last camp, but whatever. I think Connor beats Poirier in the third fight, the trilogy fight. I think it's going to do big business. I think Dustin wants another paycheck. So Dustin's taking the, che- uh, taking the fight. Don't know if it's for the belt. Um, Khabib, they usually give champions a year. They don't defend their championship in a year. Then that's when they, vacate the championship and the division rolls on. So this is realistic because you have McGregor beats Poirier. Everybody's going to throw a shit fit, but Dana White loves himself some big business. And he, no matter what you read, there's nobody in the sport. Dana White loves more than Conor McGregor. Like putting that out there right now. You don't so, say. So the timeline adds up. You have that fight in May. And then in October, when they fought last time in 2018, it, it adds up. It's over a little bit over a year for Habib, who at this point fights once a year. Uh, Habib has been bottled for the last couple of years. People don't want to admit it. I get it. It's Habib. So a lot of people are different on him. But in October, you give Conor McGregor months to prepare for that fight. And we've seen it throughout his career. Everyone said he couldn't defeat Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz was too big for him. He would lose the second fight. Wouldn't make the proper adjustments. I think, this year is very similar to the year of, I believe it was 2014, 2014 when Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz the first time and then avenged that loss and then ended the year as a two-weight world champion. So it has the makings of a great year for Conor. I think the ideal time frame for him is Poirier in May, a win there, and then you get the Habib rematch for the belt in October. And I'm, I'm going to say it. I think a fully focused Conor McGregor with a full training camp, no alcohol, no distractions. McGregor brings that edge, but it's not he's him showing up drunk and high to a press conference promoting whiskey. I think Conor McGregor is going to win that fight. Well, By a knockout. Because Khabib, he, that jaw is going to get cracked one of these days. I don't care what anybody tells me. And Conor's takedown defense is the most underrated part of his game. Hands down. In terms of interest, that's a five out of five fight. I think everyone and their mother would want to see Connor Habib 2.0. Yeah. I will obviously be rooting for Connor in that instance, but 
you have to ask yourself. Obviously, we saw the antics with Connor when he faced Habib part one. He was in a really bad place yes. at the time mentally. Absolutely. Habib brings something different to the table when it comes to Connor. Because I think Connor understands Habib is the guy that is holding him from being in that conversation of the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I think more he's not that if he doesn't beat Habib. No, he's not. But I think the big issue with Connor is he got too big for 45. I think he was just so done cutting weight to get the 45 with him beating up. That's kind of what Habib does at 55. Mm -hmm. Habib's not a 55 pound fighter. No, Habib should be fighting at 170, but he doesn't want to face his teammate, who I'm sure we'll bring up eventually, Kamara Usman, who yeah. I like to call Marty Fake Newsman. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one. But uh, so I think that's a big reason why he doesn't want to go to 70. And I think Usman is a matchup nightmare for Habib because there's no taking Usman down. Like, plain yeah, and simple. No. Usman's never been taken down in the UFC before. Like, no. this, is a, this is a bad man. All yeah. right, you say what you want about him, but I think that's a big reason for it. And Connor's more... I like him the most at 45, but... I don't blame him for not wanting to cut the 45. That's a brutal cut. Okay, That's... Connor Connor walks around at 170, 180. Yeah. Like, if you're making all that money, you are not cutting that much fucking weight. Absolutely I don't care what anybody tells me. So, not. Um, but yeah, Connor Habib. And I think after Habib, um, I would love to see Connor face Justin Gaethje um, because there's real beef there. And I think, to be honest with you, before, because I don't think Connor's ever going to truly retire. Diaz, yes, I'm intrigued for that trilogy, but. You can say what you want here. I know we got a lot more to discuss, but wouldn't you just love to see Connor and Floyd do it again? Oh, yes. I would, I, I would buy, like, come on, man. Everybody in there, any, everybody will watch that fight who says, oh, that's a stupid fight. That was so dumb last time. You're buying it and you're watching it. So shut your mouth. Was it stupid? No. Absolutely. I, it was stupid, I don't think, I don't really don't think it was. Awesome. It was, it, no, no, no. It was it not was stupid. Awesome. I and, loved every second of it and I would love it. A second time. And Connor showed every all the boxing experts out there thought he yeah. had no shot. And he did better than anybody thought. And I think getting his feet wet in boxing, uh, it, I think it could be a different fight the next time around. You can call me crazy, call me a homer, but definitely something I will be antsy to see. So I think it would be more of a fight. More of a fight yeah. for sure. Um, but the pick for Habib, Connor, I, I would go with Habib. Yeah, I'm going Connor, and that's a yeah, genuine. That's totally fine. Genuine. Uh, that's pick. totally fine. I would be rooting for Connor, but I would personally say Habib wins that fight. The second fight that I think is going to do massive business. Um, this fight is a number one contenders fight for who fights for the belt. Is the obvious fight to make right now, and that's Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington, <sighs> at 170. Yeah, there's the f- best friends turned enemies. The People's Champ versus the Street Judas, Masvidal. Okay, you have all the makings for a great fight. And by the way, I just want to tell everybody this right now. Colby is fucking light years ahead of Jorge Masvidal from a combat sports perspective. There is nothing in the world Masvidal does better than Colby Covington. Colby Covington is the second best wrestler in the division after Usman. And as far as putting pace on guys and landing efficient shots, Colby's hands are so heavy, and he just keeps on fucking coming, man. Like, he does not stop. That pace definitely got the Usman last time. And 
a lot of people, there was one judge in particular that had Colby 3-1 heading into the fifth round against Usman before Usman eventually finished him, which was a bullshit stoppage, by the way. Uh, Mark Goddard, I can get into one of the worst refs in combat Hands sports. Mark, I hate Mark Goddard. Okay, and, and that kick that Colby landed on Usman's liver, Mark Goddard called it a cheap low shot. Get the fuck out of here with that, man. <laughs> it's clearly protecting the champ Usman. And, you know, of course, I don't want to I don't want to go there, but we all know about Colby's outspoken political views. Mark Goddard's from the UK. I don't think Mark Goddard's the biggest fan of Donald Trump. I believe he was a little bit more outspoken about, you know, the whole MAGA movement, all that stuff. So that definitely came into effect, that fight. I think we need we need to see Usman Covington too, but Masvidal Covington, winner fights Usman. I, I think Masvidal Usman is such a bullshit fight the second time around. That fight goes the same way 100 times out of 100. But if Masvidal beats Colby, he's the number one contender. So yeah. you have to get there first. Yeah, it's a five out of five fight as well. And I, I tell you this right now, I was going to say it before you went in there. I was hoping you would agree with me and you did. I think Colby Covington would win that fight. Oh, dude, he would, he's going to, you saw what he did to Tyron Woodley in September. Oh, pummeled him. Pummeled him. Yeah. Masvidal, I, I do like Jorge Masvidal. I think he's a great pioneer for the game. I think he's a, I think he's a BMF, um, yeah. which is his belt. I think, but that Colby's right though. That's kind of like the journeyman title. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, Masvidal has never won a belt. Like Nate Diaz has never won a belt. Like that's kind of the fight. You get what I'm saying there? Like that's yep. kind of like a tip of the cap. That's like something that I think Dan Hooker should be fighting for next. Is that's it's, that's a it's a participation trophy. It's really what it is. And and Masvidal is just not the most talented combat sports no participant right now. Like he, no, he doesn't do it, anything that well. No, and he he's known for one knockout. Five seconds of fame, like it, literally. Literally, he, five he, has gotten, of fame. he has gotten his ass kicked a fair share Absolutely. in the US. So, but you um, know what? With all the ass kickings that Masvidal has taken, they've all gone away because of one running knee. Yeah, I guess the guy that was so fucking overrated, too. I hate Ben Askren. I, I can't stand him. And you know what? Ben Askren, he runs his mouth on Twitter. Yeah, who, he is who, a keyboard warrior. Before I get on here, just sure. real quick, who, who wins Usman or Covington in the, in the rematch? Oh, I would go Covington. Yeah, I go Colby. I would go Covington. I, and dude, Usman calling out Masvidal after his last fight just shows me he's afraid of Colby Covington. I agree. He knew he got away with one last fight. I like, agree. Why, why are you not coming for Colby? Why do you have to go back to a guy you just beat rather than Covington, who is clear as day the number one contender who just dismantled a former champ, Tyron Woodley, who is no he, joke, but never been finished. He doesn't. He Usman doesn't want Colby. No. That's It's as simple as that. No, because no, he doesn't so. want the embarrassment because I think I think Colby would finish him. I really do. Yeah, dude, that his pace is a bad matchup for Usman. But I agree. And Colby is an elite wrestler, too. You're not going to manhandle Colby Covington like you would Jorge Masvidal on the ground or no. Gilbert Burns. Absolutely not. You are 100 yeah. percent right. So this next one, I think, would get a lot of people amped up for at the heavyweight division. I think. uh this kind of ties into a fight we're going to see. I believe it's, I don't know when, I think it's March, March 27th. It's booked for um, the Stipe Miotic and Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight belt. I want to say, I want to see Stipe fight John Jones at heavyweight. I think that fight for John Jones could be a problem. I think Ngannou would lose to John Jones a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, I think 
Ngannou is going to lose to Stipe. I think Stipe is the best heavyweight of all time, hands down. I don't think there's even a debate there, especially what we what we just saw him do to Daniel Cormier, who I like him as a guy, but I think he's a little overrated. I think he was a little bit more of a placeholder than an actual UFC champion because let's face it, if John Jones is competing at the light heavyweight division and he didn't have that lucky knockout of Stipe the first time, you can't take, take anything away from him there, but DC just didn't really do it for me, but he, he's entertaining to watch, but it is what it is. He's a shaman. So who, who do you have there and how interested would you be in the best heavyweight of all time against arguably the greatest fighter of all time, yeah. John Jones? It, it's a five. It's a five out of five fight. No doubt about it. I think it would be one that if you're talking about the casuals, the casuals, I don't think would necessarily get it all that much. But I think as far as people that watch the UFC and are passionate about the UFC, that's a five out of five fight for me, especially. I would go with the GOAT. I would go with John Jones to take it, but I think it would go the distance. And I think it would be one hell of a fight. Well, here's my thing. Stipe is going to have to beef up a little bit because he looked yeah. very, very slim when yep. he fought DC in August. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But John Jones at heavyweight right now. Oh, my God. Have you seen the pictures of him? He's a fucking beast. Dude. What, just I think I give the Ed to Bones Jones. But it's not as convincing. It, it's close. Yeah. It's definitely close. It's a true 50-50 fight. Yeah. Definitely. So this this next fight um, is a little bit more for entertainment purposes. I kind of hinted at it before. It includes your boy, Tony Ferguson. How about Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson at 170 pounds? If Masvidal doesn't want to, if Masvidal does not want to defend the, the BMF, you can make it for the BMF title. Sign me up. I think that one's a little bit more. I think that for me, because I love Nate Diaz, it's weird because I love Conor McGregor. My three favorite fighters in the UFC are number one, Conor McGregor, number two, Nate Diaz, and number three, Dustin Poirier. As ironic as it is. I That's think very ironic. It's ironic, but Nate Diaz, dude, is a real fighter. Like, yeah, he is. Like, he is a huge draw in the UFC. Probably gets a little bit more clout than he deserves because he, he doesn't really fight. Nate Diaz, but the thing is, Nate Diaz... When you make all that money against McGregor, like you're gonna go get your face busted in, like for a of penny course. check compared to. Of course. He's not an idiot. No. And the Diaz brothers are real pioneers of the sport too. Like they will always be remembered. And uh, I hope Nick Diaz, by the way, could be returning this year to the UFC. I heard he he That's might be making heard, a run yeah. middleweight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who do you have there, Diaz or Ferguson? Oh, Diaz. Yeah, I think Nate by submission. I think yeah. Tony is just. I think that's kind of the last hurrah for Tony. I think that he might call it after. And there's bad blood there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Tony would be ready to go for that fight, but I just think pound for pound Diaz is just a better fighter than, than Tony Ferguson personally. And speaking of bad blood, how familiar are you with the whole uh, Bantamweight division? I'm familiar. Yeah. You know who makes a return this year? I don't even know if he's going to be competing in that division, uh, to be honest with you, by the way he looks. But um, just hypothetically speaking, how about TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt? Oh, I would love that fight. And I, that's another, that's another 50-50 fight for me. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what Dillashaw is going to look like coming off a of suspension. But right. Before, and keep in mind, Dillashaw beat Garbrandt the first time, so this would be right. a rematch. Right. And I, I, I think Dillashaw would would take round two. But again, that's a, that's a 50-50 fight. I think I think Cody Garbrandt's a little bit in a little bit better of a place mentally than he was. Yeah. Um, Dude, I, I don't know if you saw Cody Garbrandt's most recent fight. I think he was on the Amanda Nunes card. He was. In, um, I believe it was July, if I'm not mistaken. Amanda Nunes, by the way, fighting on UFC 259 too. But there's no there's no even th- picking Mention that of fight. It. Yeah, it's no. like, I do have a fight for Amanda Nunes that I would be intrigued to see. But um, yeah, I would probably give the edge to Cody Garbrandt. Uh, yeah. Just real quick. My last two, um, I don't know if you follow, how how close you follow the women's division. It's kind of dying a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, because Amanda Nunes, you in in the women's division, there's like three. There's three fighters that just don't lose. It's Amanda Nunes, uh, Val- Valentina Shevchenko, the Bullet, and then you have the um, uh, Z- uh, Zhang. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this one. Zhang Wali. Yep, you did good. You did yeah. good. So you have those three, and they just don't lose, but. I want to see Ioana get a rematch against Zhang Wali because the first fight was absolutely incredible. I mean, you saw you yeah. and Ioana hung in there like she arguably yeah, she could did. have won. Uh, and she's a, she's a real fighter, like I, really, really, really transformative. Like her and Ronda Rousey, I think of as the people that really put the women's division on the map in terms of marketing. More so at Rousey, agree. obviously, but she's a big deal. She's I think she's got I think she's like a model now. To be honest with you, too. You want? I don't know. I, I don't know. She if could you knew be. That, but she could be. Yeah. And then my favorite fighter in the female division. I want to see her get a rematch against Amanda Nunes. That's Holly Holm. Yeah. I was about to. I was about to say you're missing out on one. I was hoping I, you were going to say. I love. I dude. Holly Holm is. She's. You know, she is. She's my favorite female fighter in the UFC. No yeah, doubt about it. Nah. She's. She. She's. But she. She's got a big fight coming up uh, soon. I. Uh, I believe. Is it next? Is it next month or is it, or is it in May? I think it's in May. I, I just I, saw she was booked. I think it's in May. I just can't recall who who and, it's against. Top of my head. And and just to be clear, I wouldn't pick against the female champs there. Like no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, who's Holly Holm fighting? Okay, it's Juliana Pena. She okay, won that fight. She, yeah, she won Pena, that fight. Pena Pena's big competitor though. She's no joke. But no, no. Um, yeah. No, I would love to see Holly get one more title shot before it's all over. You know, real down to earth person and very easy to root for. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. If you could set up, maybe, maybe you get Holly, like you said, one more title fight. So, yes, please. So of all those matchups right there, which one would you be the quickest to give your, what's it, $80 with the ESPN Plus? Yeah, you're uh, the, the 80 bucks. Um. For me, I would probably want to see. Oh God, I would probably want to see Diaz and Ferguson. Are you kidding me? That's like the last uh, last. I think that might even. Well, Nate probably won't fight on a fight night, but well, that it is, that, it, that is a borderline pay per view. It's that, because, that's not even a main event. I don't. It's think. because I would want. I would just want to see Nate because I yeah. love watching Nate. Um, if I had to pick, well, oh, well, okay. I completely forgot that you had said it and it just popped into my head just now. Obviously the one I want to see is Connor Habib yeah, yeah, part like, two. I, yes. I, I completely yeah. forgot that you said it. It felt like 20 minutes ago, but yeah. yes, 
Connor Habib, part two. That's that's the one. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't even count that fight because I think that's everybody in America's fight to watch right now. Everyone uh, in America co- and across the globe. Dude, Covington Masvidal is going to do humongous business. Like, I don't know what the UFC is doing here. Like, appeasing Kamara Usman. Make, it's very, very simple, Dana. I'm doing the job for you. Covington Masvidal in May. May's all, bu- May's all open right now. You could have Dustin... You you could have you could have Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal, the two of the game's biggest stars, fighting in May. Not even championship fights. Like, what are you waiting for? You have that fight in May, and then you have, uh, what do you call it? Because right now they want to fight in September, Masvidal and Usman. So right. you have Covington, Masvidal fight in May, the number one conti- uh, number one contender. Winner faces Usman in October. Done. Or even late September, if if you were so keen on that fight, so. It's it's there. Like, get it done. The UFC should hire you, Jake. Work on I their saw, schedule. I saw I saw a crazy ass post today, and it was when Dana White retires. It was to make um, Brandon Schaub the president. Uh, I don't know if you knew who that. I don't know if you know who that is. I do know who that is. They wanted to make him. It was to make him the president and make DC the matchmaker. Uh, I would rather I would rather have Chael Sonnen be the matchmaker if I had to pick. I love yeah, Chael I, Sonnen. I was gonna say DC is the matchmaker. No, no, thank you. DC gives way too much clout to some of these irrelevant bums that don't you, sell. Like you hear it on commentary all the time. No, with, but with, dude, Ch- Chael Sonnen. I'm telling you right now, something something were to happen to Dana, like Chael Sonnen is the call to make. Like let Chael Sonnen yep. be the president and the matchmaker. Like UFC is gonna be for it. I love Uncle Chael. Like I don't know how you feel about him. But I love him. I absolutely love him. And I think if if he were to be that guy after Dana, he, yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm Uncle, all for it. Me and Uncle Dana have had our ups and downs, but mostly ups. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I, I, the I Boston appreciate. animal. The OG is uh, the notorious <laughs> one calls him. The uh, the uh, I believe it was the uh, Irish Boston animal. The Irish Boston animal. Of course, you have to have the Irish in there. Of course. Have to. Have yeah. to. He took very, a shot. Very important. He took a shot during that press conference of, of the of the liquid proper number twelve. Of course, great man, great yeah. man, and a great beverage for any Conor McGregor fight night. We are doing some free promotion here. Maybe I Conor- was just gonna say that is the exception for free advertising, right there. Absolutely, that, this that is- will be my deep sleeper in May when Conor and Dustin fight for the third time. Proper number twelve, a great great drink and fun fun fact for you. Proper number twelve. This was the – this had to have been – what fucking fight was it for Connor? It might have been the Cowboy-Cerrone fight. That's it really might have it... been – it might have been the Cowboy fight. I'm not 100% sure. It, 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 I think it was the Cowboy fight. But let's just say lots of proper number 12 were consumed. Yeah, that was me that on my night by myself. Dude, it was me on my birthday this year, and then like me and my college buddies from from school. I'm not, I don't know. We we had a uh, a weekend getaway at a mansion, and uh, I don't want to reveal the area, but let's just say it was uh, a fun weekend. Upstate, and upstate New York, upstate somewhere. I you know, upstate I like my privacy. Yes, it, upstate, it was a fu- up- it was a it was a fun weekend of fun activities and. Choices let's, were made. Let's just say a bottle was just it vanished. And it okay. Was All right. It, it it vanished. 
Yes. Houdini over here. Yes, yes, exactly. Pro- proper number 12 Houdini. Proper number 12, the pure. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve I deserve a feature on a commercial or something. The way I defend this fucking guy through, through up. Like, no one, my buddy said it to me the other day. It's like, bro, like, he's got to add you on, like, the hype team or something. Because nobody defends this fucking guy as much as you. Like, it's true. It's I, true. Connor, if you're, listen- if you're listening to the podcast, get Jake a contract. And better yet, if you want the Basement Talk podcast to be the official podcast of Connor McGregor, we're all for it. Yeah, I, all of them. Not a big Dylan Dennis guy, but the, the whole team. I mean, I have my my bottle of proper number 12 right on the mantle place if I'm going to stand up and get it. This is terrible radio. But... I have to I have to bring it out for for the viewing purposes. I am holding, of course, my very, very empty bottle of proper number twelve Irish whiskey. So thanks for that, Connor. This was this was I believe this was consumed for um Cowboys. Yeah, this had this had to have been the cowboy fight. Had to have been. Was when uh when that bottle was uh was gone. But that was fun. I enjoyed talking about the UFC for a change. Yeah, no, I I would love to make it a next big pay per view. We'll we'll get into it. Done. Who who do you think wins? Two fifty nine main event. If I was betting, I would bet Blahovich because that line does not make me comfortable. But yep. I can't. I love the style bender. I I hate picking against them. I'm going to go Izzy until proven otherwise. But yep, this, it it's no slam dunk. It's yep, no it, slam dunk with no money on the line. I'm going with Adesanya. Um, if I had to bet on it. I would go with Blahovich myself. Yeah. And then if uh, a little bit more reasonable odds, obviously you're not going to take, I mean, Nunez is a, is a fucking lock, but um, Peter Jan, I, I have, I have uh, the leg up there. I think Peter Jan's really fucking talented. I think triple C needs to get his ass off the couch and, <laughs> and fight uh, Peter Jan. That was a fight I was thinking about, but I hate Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Hate him. Not a fan. Another one of those fighters uh, on the team of Ali Abdullah Sleaze. <laughs> oh, that never gets not, old. That never my, gets old. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. To say the Connor, least. let uh, us know. He did. He's uh, yeah. He's a trailblazer. Thank it's you, Connor. Like everybody on that team too. I just. It's not even that they're represent. I love Hazmat Jamayev, but uh, he's looking iffy right now. Yeah. Um, I thought Hazmat Jamayev, by the way, and Nate Diaz, but Hazmat apparently retired. Um, so uh, we'll he? see with that. He, yeah, bro, he's fucked up for that co- with COVID. I mean, he was like, oh, really, really that's bad shape. right. And then Dana flew him out to Vegas and got him right. And Hazma is like, you know, I can't even train right now. What the fuck's the point? Like, so that's I hope he'll right. be back. That dude was, that's the only guy I liked on that whole circle of Khabib, tri- uh, Triple C, Gaethje, um, Kamaro, Marty Fake Newsman, Usman, uh, <laughs> All those guys. I yeah. I completely forgot that he had COVID. Holy shit. Like bad COVID too. Yeah, like bad. Really bad. Really bad. Well, because because the the uh the medical practices in Dagestan is come on. Or river I think he's from Dagestan or somewhere like th- this it's not America. So they brought him over here to better doctors and he's stable now and recovering, so maybe his mind isn't on training, but hopefully he comes back. So we do have some breaking news on the podcast. Before we get into our last segment of the night. The Jets traded for Watson. Afternoon. No, I actually pulled that one on Adam. 
uh, on Tuesday's Basement Talk Podcast fan. You'll show. never fool. You'll never fool me on that one. I will. I, I will know before you know. Well, I, my fault. I didn't, if yep, I, didn't I would do know. that. I said what I did was the Houston Texans have signed David Johnson, and Adam was like, "Oh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it!" Sorry, Adam. But before we get into Basement Beats, um, very very quickly. I just want instant reaction from this. Um, The MLB has announced that the league will not have universal DH for 2021 and the expanded postseason for 2021. Both are going away. Oh, the expanded postseason more than fine with that one. That I I think, I think two wild cards is fucking stupid. I agree. You could, you can win a hundred games and lose a a one game playoff, a one game playoff against a team. That's like 88 joke and whatever like come on man absolute Um, joke i agree with you but i think the dh should be universal i think that's bullshit like i have no interest in watching pitchers swing a baseball bat and i also think it's a joke how a pitcher gets their stats pretty much inflated by pitching around the eight batter or some shit like that with two outs and oh we have basically a free out on deck and just get a get out of jail free card of an inning i agree with you i agree with you i mean we'll we'll talk more about uh, Major League Baseball on the next episode of the Basement Talk podcast. And then as we get closer to opening day, of course, Jake and I will be doing uh, a full Major League Baseball preview. I think we're going to pretty much be doing that back-to-back. I think we'll be doing March Madness. And then right after that, we're probably going to be doing the season preview for baseball. Yeah, well, we have free agency for football, too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah, so – a, a lot of stuff going on. A lot yeah, of may, stuff going on. We may need on. to do two shows, honestly, one of these weeks. We might have to. We might have yeah. to. That week of the 17th, we might have to, yeah. we have to do two. Um, all right. So, Basement Beats. This is good. Here's this is going to work. Um, basically, we're just picking. We're picking a song that uh, Jake's been vibing to, and I've been vibing to, and we're going to share it with you all because we all know you love music. We all love music. If you don't love music, then you are not a human being. And we're going to hopefully turn you on to some good stuff. So, uh, Jake, entertain the people. What do you got? <laughs> uh, the people and you might laugh at me for this one, but uh, just going with the vibe of uh, of this man being back, uh, free from prison, <laughs> I have a Bobby Shmurda track for you. It's not one of the uh, mainstream ones. Uh, this one is... It escaped my mind because it's so old. It was made in, I believe it was 2014. I've been vibing to Computers by Rowdy Rebel and Bobby Shmurda. I just spent some cash on a piggy ring. Just made some brand new money. What the fuck is that? fire song like if you're real like i'm not that big into hip-hop anymore like i i listen to still the old hip-hop music like i don't listen to like all those all the guys nowadays is just okay let me make the sick beats and you know like instagram caption quotes like i'm not into all that shit i'm into actual hip-hop flow style bars not this shit that's going on today this is more of an r&b than actual hip-hop if that makes sense so check it out it's a banger Thank me later. I'm going with an oldie but a goodie. And this song, of course, was made famous by 
one of my favorite bands of all time, Hootie and the Blowfish. Great band. And a good friend of ours, Post Malone, came out uh, with yep. a remix of Only Want to Be With You. You and me, we come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at other girls. Sometimes you're crazy and you wonder why. I'm such a baby cause the cowboys make me cry. But there's nothing I can do. One of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands, Darius Rucker, is a national treasure. Needs to be protected at all costs. And even Darius Rucker heard it and commented and said, yeah, this is really, really good. I love Post Malone. That was the best concert I've ever fucking been to. I saw him twice. I've heard absolutely it's, wonderful things it's really in, insane like where where did you see posty by I, I saw posty in uh 20 what year was that it was my senior year of college so 2019 barclays? i saw barclays center i saw him on new year's day uh new year's eve new year's day so that's where i was that's where i was for new year's was the barclays center watching a post malone concert that's sick. and then the second time I saw him was in the fall of 2020. Yeah. When he played at the garden. Which show is better? Um, I like the mute. Like I wasn't the biggest fan of like, I was a bigger fan of beer bongs and Bentley and Stoney than mm-hmm. I was of uh, his late. It, not that it was bad or anything. I believe the name was Hollywood was Hollywood's bleeding. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the one at Barclays Center. I think he played a little bit longer at the one at Barclays Center um, because now he's just really beyond, like, he's blown that, he's blown the hell up. So, yeah. Now, um, now he's so he's a, mainstream. Yeah. So, but regardless, if he's ever playing in your local area, when hopefully we put this terrible chapter of the coronavirus behind us and things are 100%, like, go. Worth every penny. I would say, for me because I'm loyal to my guy Kenny Chesney up at Foxborough Mass the home of No Shoes Nation at Gillette Stadium Oof, next level good plus plus I was also sorry for the children out there I'm over 21 years old so I could say this I was trashed out of my mind no Made choices. Yeah. Made choices. Made choices. Wasn't wasn't driving, most importantly. Yeah. What is your favorite post song just while we're on the uh Ooh. Ooh, that's maybe that could be maybe we could save that for Mount Rushmore. Like yes. Yeah. That's that's a tricky one. That's you know what? Put that on the bet put that next show. We do a quick Mount Rushmore post blown songs. What do you say? Done. Done. I'm. I could do that. I could good. definitely do that. Good. Good. All right. I'll have to, I'm gonna write a reminder to myself. I have a good oh, idea from time to time. Believe it or not. That is a great one. All right. So here we go. Posty, Mount Rushmore. Beautiful. In my notes. To just pick one song. I mean, like. Oh no. We're gonna. We're, we gotta pick. It's gonna be eight songs between the two of us. 
Yeah. So we're gonna have to uh, I, we're gonna have to do our uh, our studying on on Post Malone. I still listen to Stony in the car. Oh, I I listen like, to Stony all the time. I listen to Beer Bongs and Bentleys all the time. Hollywood's Bleeding is good, but Beer Bongs and Bentleys was. Yeah, that was a sick album. It was such a good album, and, I, and, I, and I'm they made not, us, yeah, he made us wait fucking ever for that one too. And I'm not, I'm not like, a, I will be the first one to admit that I'm not like a huge rap guy, but that shit was just. He's not a rap artist though. He's he's no. an R and B. He's R and B. Like he's yeah. R and B alternative. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. That could also branch out and do country if he wants. He could yeah. do rock. He he's can a sick do guitar player. He he's incredible on the guitar. He really is. I I believe on only want to be with you. I think that's I think he's playing the guitar. He plays the guitar. When I went to the concert, he played the guitar for Stay. And stay Stay is a great song too. I mean, that, I, you know, my gonna I, I hate to say it, but he put makes some songs. It's like, bro, I'm not trying to be in my fucking bag here. Like I'm trying to vibe <laughs> out. You know what I'm saying? Like, but fair, <laughs> very fair. I think it's I think it's for the people that uh, were with their significant others and needed something to uh, you know to pass the time with. If you get my gist, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, that is gonna be it for this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. Go check us out, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you find your podcast. Leave us a five-star review and subscribe while you're at it. And, of course, do go check out the Jets Way podcast with Jake as the gear up to NFL free agency and eventually to the NFL draft begins, especially for all the Jets fans out there that need someone to vent their frustrations about how dysfunctional and terrible the New York Jets franchise is. Jake is your guy for that. So, We will see you next week for a brand new Basement Talk podcast. For Jake, I'm Bird. Bye-bye.